you want to turn in your Bibles, today we'll be looking at Judges chapter 4, and you can be turning there and we will read from Judges 4 together in just a moment. Just about every epic story, either in literature or on film, you have a hero who needs a wise companion to join him or to join her on the journey. So Katniss Everdeen needed Haymitch, and Luke Skywalker needed Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Frodo needed Gandalf, and Cinderella needed that fairy godmother, and on and on it goes, and in each of these uh, stories, we would say that without those wise companions, the, the story wouldn't be the same, and certainly the, the hero wouldn't be the same. And so today in our continuing study here, talking about this cloud of witnesses, these nine relationships that we really feel like we need in order to thrive. Today we've come to the time when we talk about the wise companion. And for us, the biblical character that most embodies this, we find from the book of Judges chapter 4 there, and that is Deborah. Today we'll read about Deborah. We'll read her story. You can look in Judges 4, and that's where we'll focus our attention today. But if you want to continue reading, and go on into chapter 5, and there is this poem, this song that Deborah has written that embodies much of what happens in her story in chapter 4. But for our purposes today, we're thinking of Deborah as the wise companion. So Deborah is this individual who represents for us a source of wisdom. As we'll see here today from Judges 4, Deborah is so respected in her community for her wisdom but not only that, she is also a companion to an individual who especially needs her. Judges chapter 4 tells us the story of Deborah. And today as we reflect and as we read, I'd invite you to, to think about what we find here in light of everything we've said the past few weeks. We're trying to, to read and, and hear and, and see what God has in store for us. And we're asking two questions, really, as we go through this study. One, okay, who would the Deborah be in my life? Who is that wise companion that I so need? But also, we're, we're turning our attention and applying this in a second way, saying, to whom can I be a Deborah? To whom has God called me to be a wise companion? Let's think about those things as we hear now from God's word. Judges chapter 4, we will focus just for our time together this morning on the first nine verses of Judges chapter 4. After Ehud's death, the Israelites again did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord turned them over to King Jabin of Hazor, a Canaanite king. And the commander of his army was Sisera, Sisera, who had 900 iron chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at that time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites would go to her for judgment. One day, she sent for Barak, who lived in Kadesh, the land of Naphtali. She said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor. 
and I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River, and this promise from God, there I will give you victory over him. Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. Very well, she replied, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. As I said, the, the story continues on there in chapter 4, and you can read kind of a, a replay of that in chapter 5. But the rest of the story deals with this battle between the Canaanite forces and the Israelite forces. And really what's in play is the control of the Jezreel Valley, which would be a significant piece of property. It's a pretty fertile plain and what is uh, otherwise considered to be rugged hill country there in Israel. And so you have this battle that's, that's looming, and on one side you have King Jabin, and his forces are headed up by Sisera, and on the other side you have Deborah, she's a prophet, she's the judge, and flanking her is what appears to be a general by the name of Barak. Sisera, it says in the text, has these 900 iron chariots. Uh, think about that for a minute, 900 iron chariots, either they're made entirely of iron, which would be pretty unrealistic, more likely, these are wooden chariots that are overlaying with iron, that have iron plates, that have iron weaponry. Either way, we're talking about a pretty decisive technological advantage against which Israel feels that she has virtually no chance. So Sisera and his 900 iron chariots, did you see how long for 20 years he has been tormenting Israel? So for two full decades, this goes on. And it says there that the people of Israel, finally, they, they cry out to the Lord for help. And in response to this cry, God communicates through Deborah, through this prophet or prophetess, depending on your translation. So as the, as the curtain opens on this scene, we find Deborah in a position of leadership among her people. As a side note, Deborah is just one of a few prophets, female prophets, that we find there in the Old Testament. We have Deborah, we have Miriam. Uh, the sister of Moses. You have a, a lady by the name of Huldah, who's the wife of Shulam. We find her in the inner uh, court of Josiah later on. Uh, Isaiah's wife is referred to as a prophetess. So Deborah falls in line. She's one of just a few of these ladies in the Old Testament who function in this particular role. And, and in particular, we find her as a, as a judge. Not only is she referred to as a prophet, but the text says that functionally she operates as a judge. So that means the people bring to her their legal cases. She renders these wise rulings, these judgments here, uh, basically to help people resolve some of their legal issues in the hill country of Ephraim. And it says that Deborah, she's called the wife of Lapidoth. Now that's an interesting kind of phrase. Uh, Lapidoth, most uh, uh, translations put it this way, that she is the wife of this man named Lapidoth. But what's interesting, what makes this uh, kind of, I don't know, interesting for us to think about as well, uh, not only could this be referring to the fact that she is married to a man named Lapidoth, but it could also be translated as a, as a woman of fire. The word Lapidoth means fire, it means torches. And so uh, it's possible that what we're getting here is a description of, uh, of Deborah and her, she's married again to a man who's literally named Lapidoth. But there's also, it's just as likely that what the text is saying is that, uh, that she is a woman of a kind of a fiery disposition. Have you ever met one of those? Right? 
She's a woman of kind of fiery temperament. Or it could be that it's not either or. It could be it's both. It could be that not only is she, hap- she happens to be married to a man named Lapidos, but she herself also sort of embodies that fiery kind of temperament. I see some of you smiling. I'd love to know the reason why some of you are looking at each other and smiling about this fiery woman comment. Um, but so we, we have this, this, this figure, this woman, Deborah, who emerges as, as a woman of kind of fiery temperament, if we could put it that way. And she has a word for Barak. Maybe a better way to say it is that God has a word for Barak, and he chooses to communicate it through Deborah. And that word is, is this. He says, go and get 10,000 troops from Naphtali and Zebulun. Go gather those troops and go out here to this specific place. And when you do that, I will bring Sisera and his troops to you, and I will grant you victory over them. God rarely does something so, he, just, he rarely like spells it out so clearly, but he does so for Barak, and he says, if you'll just do this, if you'll follow my lead, I will deliver Sisera into your hand, and you will have victory. This individual who has been wreaking havoc on the people of God for 20 years, I will bring him over to you if you will just listen to what I'm saying to you. And we get to this point in the story, and there's a little bit of an unexpected twist because Barak says, <laughs> Barak says to Deborah, he says, I will go, but only if you go with me. Now, why does Barak say something like that? Is his faithfulness to God really dependent upon Deborah joining him, upon her presence in his life? Well, his response isn't exactly what this fiery woman expected. It's certainly not what she wanted to hear. So she replies and she says, okay, I'll come with you. I'll accompany you, but it's going to cost you. She says, you need to know that God will still bring the victory about, but the glory and the honor that would have been yours will instead move to someone else. And so she says, in fact, the glory and the honor here will, will go to a woman. And you hear that on the front end, you think, okay, well, it's going to be Deborah. She's the one who will receive all that glory and honor. And really, it's not. You can read the rest of the story and find out who this woman is who receives the glory for the victory over Sisera. But Barak makes this statement, he makes this response, and And I suppose you could say that that's a lack of faith on his part, and I wouldn't argue that. But I would say that there's something hidden in that statement that that points us back to Deborah. I hear in that statement a deep sense of respect and a deep sense of appreciation for Deborah. Why does does Barak, why does he balk when God promises even a, a certain victory? I think it's because Barak is looking for something that many of us are looking for as well. He is looking for a, a wise companion to join him on this journey. So today, I, I'd like for us to think about this biblical story that we've just heard. And I'd like for us to think about it in two pieces, and th- those two pieces are represented right here. First, I'd like for us to think about Deborah as a source of wisdom, but not only a source of wisdom. She is also, for Barak, a companion along the way, and that's what makes her a wise companion, and that's how I'd like for us to think about applying this in our own lives. So, let's think about the first part of that. Deborah, 
as a source of wisdom. The children of Israel are consulting Deborah as prophet and judge. That means they're coming to her on matters of government, matters of religion, matters of law, matters of war. I mean, they are coming to her for everything. They have their legal disputes resolved by Deborah. So they're coming to her and they're trusting her judgments. And the reason for that is because she has proven to be a person of wisdom. She's proven herself as a source of good and godly counsel. It says that she renders these judgments under a palm tree, and ever after it is remembered. The place is commemorated as Deborah's palm, as a way of, of remembering this is the place where Deborah gave us those wise rulings and those wise judgments. And I would say not much has changed in the time that, from the time that Deborah lived until now. Because in our lives, you and I, we, we all need someone whose judgment we can trust. We need people in our lives who are those sources of good and godly wisdom. You need someone whose judgment you can trust. So last week, we spent our time talking about Barnabas, and we said it last week, and it's worth repeating. We need those relentless encouragers in our lives. No matter who you are, doesn't make you a person of you know, low self-esteem to say, you know, I, I kind of like someone encouraging me. That's just part of the human condition. So we all need a Barnabas. We all need that person who is putting heart into us, who's coming alongside of us, who's standing up for us. We all need that. But we also need a person who can put into our lives that fiery kind of wise counsel that we see Deborah giving over to Barak. And I would say, if you take this positive encouragement from someone like Barnabas, and you lay it alongside the fiery sort of wisdom of a person like Deborah, you have a pretty balanced set of voices within your cloud of witnesses. Wouldn't you agree? We need the positive encouragement of Barnabas, but we also need that fiery kind of wisdom that you get from Deborah. And if you can locate the voice of godly wisdom, the fiery temperament that possibly accompanies that, if you, if you can identify that in your life, I'd say you're pretty close to identifying your Deborah. As a people, I think we are desperate for wisdom. I think we are a people who are just hungry for wisdom. And I know wisdom has been a, a commodity in every time period, but especially today, we're people who need wisdom. How many of you own a smartphone? How many of you? Show of hands? Yeah, a lot of people own these smartphones today, right? By the, the most recent data I can find, over 200 million Americans own smartphones. Uh, there's a lot of smartphones running around out there. Okay, so you have a smartphone probably in your pocket, kind of like me, maybe you have it in your purse, uh, hopefully it is on silent right now, but we have, a, we have these smartphones, and with these smartphones, we have access to more information than any generation who has ever lived. They've said that there's been more information generated in the last 30 years than in the previous 5,000 years. I don't know who's coming up with that. I don't know how they know that. But I believe with inf the, the information that is available to us right now, it is unprecedented. There was a time when if you were out to eat with somebody and you had some sort of dispute, you know, you had to like, you had to find some, some other way. It would be maybe days or weeks before you could resolve that. So if you're kind of in a, a, a dinner and you're arguing over who won the 1984 Cotton Bowl, 
You know, it used to be you'd have to like find somebody who was there, somebody who'd lived through that, or you have to go home and consult that maybe on your desktop computer, or I don't know what we did before that. I guess we just lived with ignorance. But nowadays what happens is somebody, the two seconds into the conversation, somebody pulls out their phone and they search, and you know, within three or four seconds you know who won the Cotton Bowl, right? Because we have access to more information at our fingertips than anybody. So it just works that way. You pull it up if you want to know anything. And how many ounces are in a gallon? You just search, right? GDP of India, let me know. Boom. You can pull that up within seconds. So we don't struggle for lack of information oftentimes. Maybe we don't look in the right places. Maybe we're not looking for the right kinds of information. But the point is, we have available to us so much information. What we need and what I think we are desperate for in our culture, we need to be able to apply that information in wise in godly ways so we're not hurting for information so much but man we are desperate for wisdom and so many times in our lives it's those key moments where wisdom makes all the difference in the world i don't care siri cannot teach you how to pray in faith you might do a little search and it might pull up some some great information you might come across a blog or you might come across, you know, some sort of tips that might help you pray a little, a little more deeply, but, but you won't learn how to pray in faith from a, a search engine. But what you need in a spot like that is someone who's wise, who can come alongside of you and say, you know, there was a time in my life when I was so desperate for God, I was clinging to him because I didn't have anywhere else to turn. I had no one else to rely upon. And the prayers that I prayed then, boy, let me tell you, that's wisdom, right? A, a Google search can't help you learn to, to live the loss of a loved one. It's just not how you're, you're not going to learn. In a moment like that, you know what you need? You need someone who can come alongside of you and say, man, I've been there. And here are the lessons I've learned. Here are the ways that God has been faithful to me through that terrible time. We need good, godly sources of wisdom in our lives and before we move off this topic I just a, a word especially to our youngest generation if you don't have a voice of godly wisdom in your life if you don't have someone in your life whose judgment you can trust let me just encourage you to find find that person find that Deborah who can be that voice of wise godly counsel for you because you need it because I need it we all need it but especially the younger we are and you know if you're waiting for somebody to just walk up to you and and put their arm around you and say hey you know i choose you i'm going to impart my wisdom to you that is not going to happen number one and number two even if it did it would be super weird and you wouldn't listen to that person right but what you need to do those of us who are younger you need to find someone who you respect someone you look up to and you need to come alongside of them say boy i sure just i just respect you and, and, and the wisdom that I've gleaned from you from a distance, man, I would love to be able to walk with you more fully. That could make a tremendous difference in your life, in your spiritual growth. It's like what Proverbs says. I love how it says it here in Proverbs 19. Listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. Modern Bible scholars don't agree on very much. One of the things they seem to agree on is that there is no book in the Bible that sounds more like Jesus than the book of James. But the funny thing is that James only quotes Jesus a time or two. 
But what makes James wise is he absorbed, he fully absorbed the teaching of his brother, Jesus, the Messiah, so much that he just then imparts that. It's almost like second nature. If you want to be wise, walk with those who are wise. If you listen to wisdom, the Bible says, you'll be wise. So who are those sources of of wisdom in your life? Who are those voices that you trust? Whose judgment do you look to? Who's your Deborah? And in like fashion, as we've said all along, to whom is God calling you to be a voice of wise counsel? Who in your life needs you to be a Deborah? But not only is is Deborah a source of wisdom, there's also this. She is a source of companionship for Barak. And it is that companionship, I think, that he draws on most heavily when he makes that statement, I'll go, but only if you agree to go with me. So again, Barak hears this word from God, but he says he won't go unless this fiery woman goes with him. And again, I think you could probably say that, well, that just sounds like a lack of faith. God told you to do something and, and, and you didn't do it. So maybe that's the case. But there's also something really honest and really heartfelt in Barak's response. He wants to proceed, he wants to move forward with the knowledge that Deborah is with him. To be with someone, it's to be for them, right? It's to stand with them, it's to stand in solidarity with them, it's to stand in their corner, it's to walk with them, it's to say to them basically, hey, I've got your back. And I think that's what Barak is saying to Deborah. He's saying, I'll go, but I'll only go if I know that you've got my back. I think what Barak is saying to Deborah is what some of us say to others all the time. I just need to know, are you with me? Do you have my back? Are you with me and are you for me? And that is another one of those basic sort of human impulses to know that we're not alone. Deborah is a source of wisdom, but she is a source of companionship because she agrees to be with Barak. Last fall, uh, Dick Savage and I had the opportunity to go and spend about a week or so with our brothers and sisters in Cumbernauld, Scotland. It was a great time. We had a a wonderful visit with them. Uh, As you know, though, even though we share the same language, there's a little bit of a difference in our accents. Maybe you picked up on that when Adam has come and spent some time with us. So when you're accustomed to hearing the southern bible belt accent that's a little slower and easy to hear you have i have to sort of shift gears to to hear anything in that scottish accent it just you hear it differently so we're sitting around one night at adam and melanie Barr's home and we'd eaten a great dinner and we were sitting there talking and we had spent a lot of time talking about a variety of different things and, and at one point uh, finally adam looked at me and he says so jason who'd you sport said it just like that and I, I said excuse me um wh- wh- what did you say and he said it again so I, who'd you sport and I said who did I sport what is that like a Scottish phrase I don't know what that means and he repeated it again no no who'd you sport and, and I, I finally said to him you're saying the same thing over and over but I don't understand what it is you're saying so finally he spelled it he says who'd you sport S-U-P-P-O-R-T. Who'd you sport? I 
so who do I support? And he goes, yeah, like I sport the Dallas Cowboys. So who'd you sport? <laughs> I said, are you asking me about my favorite football team? He says, yes. I said, well, why didn't you say so? And he said, I thought I did. And so we had a great conversation about who'd you sport? And your Deborah is the one who sports you. Your Deborah is the one who's your biggest fan, who comes alongside of you and agrees to support you and walk with you and journey with you into whatever it is that God is calling you to do. Because, because your Deborah agrees to be with you, because your Deborah agrees to be for you. The world is full of people like Sisera. I mean, there are a lot of Siseras out there. For 20 years, Sisera had been taking. Sisera had been taking Israelite lives and Israelite lands and Israelite freedoms for 20 years. And there are a lot of Siseras out there who, who will take whatever they can. How many people had died at the spear point of Sisera? How many people had he run down with those iron chariots? I don't know. But the world is filled with people like Sisera who love to kill. And you and I will come across a few Siseras in our time. Now, I hope and pray that it's not someone who wants to take your life, your physical life, but there will be plenty of Siseras we come in contact with who would love nothing more than to kill your reputation or to kill your dreams, kill your spirit. We live in a world full of Ciceras. In the late 1800s, William Marwood was the public executioner for the British government. And following his death in 1883, the Home Office in London received over 1,400 applications, listen to this, over 1,400 applications from people who were eager to take his job. People who wanted to spend their work day executing others on behalf of the state. That is an awful lot of Ciceras, right? So you'll have a few Ciceras that you'll come in contact with. We all, we all do. But aren't you thankful that God gives us these Debras who agree to be for us, who agree to be with us, who say, I'll go with you and I'll stand with you and I've got your back. Those Debras are present in our lives, not to take, but to give. And it's not their desire to kill, it is their desire to give life. And in a world where people are willing to stand outside up and down the block waiting for an opportunity to kill, how much is a Deborah worth? How much is a Deborah worth? Someone who says, I'll be with you and I'll be for you and I will stand in your corner and I've got your back. If you have a Deborah, that, someone like that can be so priceless in your life. And I love the way God says it in Proverbs 13. Walk with the wise and become wise. Journey alongside of them. Find that companion for the journey is the way I hear that, that passage. For companion of fools, the text says, suffers harm. Deborah's presence seems to give Barak what he needs. His, her presence gives him courage. It gives him strength for the road ahead. He's certainly afraid of Sisera, and, 
And I don't blame him. For 20 years, this guy's been wreaking havoc. But, but it's Deborah's presence that seems to make all the difference. It gives him the courage to, to move forward. Have you ever been around someone? Is there someone in your life who, when you're around them, you just feel more courageous, more alive for the Lord? There's someone who makes you stronger, not even by something he or she does, but just by being present. If so, that's, that's your Deborah. Because we're stronger together than we are apart. That's why we need a Deborah in our cloud of witnesses. Your Deborah's not just someone who imparts wisdom. She doesn't just sit back and tell you what to do from a distance. No, your Deborah is the person who joins you in the hard work that God is calling you to. Your Deborah is with you. And it's no accident that in the Gospels we find Jesus as the fulfillment of that prophecy from Isaiah, where one is promised who will be Emmanuel, who is God with us, who is God for us, God standing in solidarity with us, God in our corner, God who has our back. And it's the presence of the Deborahs in our lives that simply remind us of that same quality that we see in Jesus. So again, who is the Deborah in your life? Who is that source of good, godly wisdom, good, godly counsel? Who would that be? Who's the person who says, I'll be with you and I'll be for you and I've got your back? And then turn that and think, okay, and to, to whom should I be a Deborah? To whom is God calling me to be a source of wise counsel? To whom is God calling me to say those exact words, I will be with you? you one final word about barak the hebrew writer goes on to list barak by name in that hall of faith in that great chapter chapter 11 which precedes our cloud of witnesses text so that means he must have recovered from any wavering of faith that we might read into his statement when he says to deborah okay i'll go but only if you come with me. And I think it was the presence of Deborah that made all the difference in his life. And I think it's the presence of a Deborah, a wise companion, that could make all the difference in your life as well. If you don't have a Deborah, I hope you'll pray about that. And if you're not that kind of person to someone else, I hope you'll pray about that as well. We're about to stand and sing our song of invitation together, and as we do, you, if you've been here for any amount of time, you know, you know what happens in this time. The shepherds of your church will be down front here and in the back of the room and also upstairs. If you need to seek one of them out, either down here or perhaps more discreetly in another part of the room, to talk, to pray, to turn to them for a source of good godly counsel, that is why they make themselves available. But certainly today, the invitation of Christ stands open if, any is, if anyone needs to respond in faith and to put Christ on in baptism. His invitation is extended as well. Let's stand and sing our song of invitation together.